Good morning, everyone. This morning we are in Psalm 22. What an amazing psalm it is. So this is a psalm of David. And if you know the life of David, he went through many hard times. And he ended up on top as king of Israel. But it was, you know, he had uh, the prior king after his life, Saul. He had his own son, Absalom, try to take his life. He was, you know, heavily in battle against the the Philistines. Uh, David was on the run many times, hiding out many times. And yet he ended up uh, the king of Israel. He also made a lot of mistakes with his own sin and had consequences, including losing one of his own sons because of um, infidelity. Uh, but David was a man who, if you read what he wrote, he really did have a heart for God. He just struggled at times doing the right thing and having sin, but there's yet so much good in his life too. But this psalm now, you know, David is writing and he is writing about events and feelings and thoughts and devotions to God that are taking place in his life, but yet God is giving him prophetic words about the life to Jesus, of Jesus to come. Now, I don't think David is seeing it crystal clear that he even knows that everything that he's writing about is specifically about what's going to happen with Jesus one day. And yet, even though he doesn't know it clearly, God's still using him to write things that are prophetically true about the life of Jesus. And it's really amazing now to look back on this psalm because so much of it applies to, in particular, what happened to Jesus on the cross. The psalm begins with David crying out, probably in one of his you know, difficult times on earth when he is yet to be delivered from some kind of hardship that he was experiencing. And he's crying out to God and he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I have no rest. Yet you are holy, O you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. What an amazing set of verses by David. He's crying out to God, and God, where are you? When are you going to provide for me? Yet even though God still has not provided, he's saying you are holy, and you are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. What an amazing thing. What What's incredible, though, is when is that when Jesus was on the cross, and you could see this in the book of Matthew, and I'm going to pull it up, Matthew 27, verse 45 here. Now from the sixth hour, darkness fell upon all the land until the ninth hour. And at about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So Jesus yells that out from the cross. And some who were there standing there, when they heard it, began saying, this man is calling for Elijah. They didn't know exactly you know, what he meant at the time, but he, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you know, in a, really appropriate in a sense that you know, if you're dying on the cross, that you could be like, God, you know, why, why are, when are you going to deliver me? But the thing is, is that Jesus really isn't asking a question there, even though what he's doing is he's quoting Psalm 22. And there's a thing called a remez. 
or you could call it a hint. And it happened a lot in the life of Jesus. And what it meant was, or what a remez was, is that if you said a part of a verse and then you didn't finish, like obviously he didn't read all of Psalm 22, but what he's doing is he's hinting. He's he's saying, and if you knew your Bible well, you would know what was in Psalm 22. In fact, sometimes he would use a remez and he'd get the Pharisees mad at him because he'd just cue them into a specific passage through a hint, and then they would know that he was actually saying something against them because they knew the rest of the passage, and then they'd you know, get mad at him for it. But that's what Jesus is doing there. He's giving us a hint to say, what's happening to me is what David said in Psalm 22. And, and he's telling us essentially to go back there and see all that's said in Psalm 22 that comes true in him. It's quite amazing, and we'll take a look at some of that now. The other thing is, you could say even just in these first three verses, that when Jesus is up there saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Just like David in verse 3, David said, Yet you are holy, O you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. And Jesus knew, he, he wasn't questioning the cross. He knew he was headed to the cross. He knew he was going to die for our sins on there. And so the Ramez would also be saying, you know what, you can trust God. Moving on to verse 4. In you our fathers trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were delivered. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. It's talking about the Old Testament people now. Um, Through their hard times, they trusted God, and ultimately he did deliver them. But then it says, but I am a worm and not a man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. Now. Most of you probably know that when Jesus was on the cross and headed to the cross, I mean, they, they yelled, crucify him, crucify him. They beat him. They mocked him. They they spit on him. Uh, at the time of Jesus' death, the people are despising him. They're calling him uh, blasphemous because he's saying he is like God or the son of God. And 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 they're they're mad at him for it. And they're, they're allowing him. Look at verse 7. All who sneer at me. They separate with the lip. They wag their head saying, commit yourself to the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him because he delights in him. So they're, they're, you know, David is portraying what happened to Christ and that people were mocking him. And listen to what it says. Uh, when Jesus is on the cross back again in Matthew 27, we could see it um, in a lot of places, but. Look at verse 39 of 27. And those passing by were hurling abuse at him and wagging their heads and saying, you are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days? Save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from that cross. In the same way, the chief priests, along with the scribes and elders, were mocking him saying, he saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him if he delights in him. Since he said, I am the son of God. So isn't it amazing? There again, verse Psalm 22, accurately portraying what happened to Jesus on the cross. Verse 9 of Psalm 22. Yet you are he who brought me forth from the womb. <clears throat> and, you know, there's a lot that could be said there. So first of all, you know, God implanted Jesus in the womb of his mother. and. God knows us in the womb. This is I mean, there's so many verses about that as it relates to life and 
not wanting to have abortion be something that takes place in our world because God knows us even in the womb. You made me trust when my upon my mother's breasts. Upon you I was cast from birth. You have been my God from my mother's womb. There it is again. Just be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They open wide their mouth at me as a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. Now, when Jesus was uh, pierced in the side, and that will come up in this psalm as well, out came a flow of blood and water. In fact, let me read that for you here. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. That was uh, John, the Gospel of John, verse 34, chapter 20, verse 34, just as, again, it says in Psalm 22. Now, this is like, you know, 1,500 years before, ah, gosh, I didn't look that up, but it's a long time before the time of Jesus that this is happening, and yet so much has come true in Jesus here. It's really quite amazing. Uh, All right, let's keep going. Where were we? I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. Now, that one, you know, listen, not everything in this psalm is specifically addressing Jesus. There are many things, but some of the things are David's also referring to his own life. Now, it doesn't say, and we'll see that in a moment, that any of his bones were broken, and that becomes important, and I'll explain to you why in a second. Um. But I don't know that Jesus' bones were out of joint. This might have been more of David's life. My heart is like wax. It melted within me. My strength is dried up like a pot's herd, and my tongue cleaves to my jaws, and you lay me in the dust of death. Now, when Jesus is up on that cross, in one of the Gospels, it says, I thirst, and then they brought up uh, like some sour wine to give him, which is another prophecy that was fulfilled on the cross. And it you know, wouldn't be surprising that Jesus, through that crucifixion experience, would, you know, would would be thirsty. All right. <clears throat> Verse 16. For dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil evildoers has encompassed me. That's happening. Now listen to this. They pierced my hands and my feet. <laughs> Isn't it amazing what God can do? And that was the standard practice. <clears throat> if you look up the word crucifixion in the New Testament, or if you know the process of crucifixion um, that the Romans used, they would it was staked down. They would stake somebody down. They would they would nail their feet to the cross. So it's just incredible. So many things about our Lord and Savior and what happened to him are recorded so many years earlier. Now the next passage says, I can count all my bones. Um in Back in Exodus chapter 12, which is the passage of the Passover, you've gone through this journey with us, we weren't there too long ago, and that is when they would sacrifice the lamb and put the blood of the lamb over their doorpost, and then God, his spirit of destruction when it came over Egypt, if he saw the blood of the lamb over the doorpost of the house, the people in that home would be protected from his spirit of destruction and uh Egypt's firstborn 
would be killed because they didn't have the instructions to put the blood of the lamb over their doorpost. And that's when God set them free. Another incredible miracle of God. But they were supposed to take that lamb and eat it that night before this happened. And one of the instructions of the Passover lamb, which was a perpetual instruction, is that when they were to cook of this lamb and make of this lamb, they weren't to break any of the bones of the lamb. That's in I think Exodus 12, verse 46, if I'm just recalling from my mind right now, where it says that they're not supposed to break any of its bones. And sure enough, on the cross, Jesus was pierced, but his bones were not broken. So look at look at this in John uh, 19. So the soldier, verse 32, the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man, and of the other who was crucified with him. Jesus had thieves on his left and right. But coming to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead, and they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. It's just so special to see, church, think of this. The Passover lamb, the one who, the lambs whose blood takes away the sins of the earth, is not supposed to have their bones be broken. And both thieves on his left and right, they had their bones broken. They had their legs broken. But sure enough, Jesus' legs were not broken because he is the Passover lamb and he is the one who takes away our sins through his blood. And then isn't it interesting that it says here in Psalm 22, and it also says it in Isaiah 53, that he would be pierced for our transgressions. And neither thief was pierced. The only one who was pierced was Jesus. God just makes everything come true. He makes what needed to happen to fulfill his Old Testament prophecy, it came through in Jesus. Listen to what it says. I can count on my bones, verse 17, they look and they stare at me, that happened, and they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. And that's exactly what happened to Jesus on the cross. They, they took his clothes and they cast lots for his clothing, and it's recorded in the scriptures that that is what happened. And isn't that isn't that incredible again? It's just amazing. I'm looking for it real quick. Um I'm not sure which gospel that here. Verse Luke Luke 23 uh verse 34, but Jesus is saying, "Father, forgive them." Isn't that amazing? He's forgiving the people that are killing him. "Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing." And they cast lots, dividing up his garments among themselves. Isn't that something? But you, O Lord, verse 19 of chapter 22 of Psalms, But you, O Lord, be not far off. O you, my help, hasten to my assistance. Deliver my soul from the sword, my only life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, from the horns of the wild oxen. You can answer. And sure enough, God is going to save him. He's going to raise him. And hallelujah, he's sitting at the right hand of God in heaven. And now he's come as our counselor and Holy Spirit, and he's with us today. But I, t- I will tell of your name to my brethren. Isn't that interesting? Will you do that today? Will you tell of Jesus' name? In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. Do you praise Jesus, the one who came off that cross? You who fear the Lord, praise him. And we should have an awe, respect, an honor, a fear of the Lord, and we should praise him. You descendants of Jacob, glorify him, and may we glorify our risen Lord. And stand in awe of him, all you descendants of Israel. That's what we're supposed to be doing for Jesus today. 
for he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, for he has hidden his face from them. But when he cried to him for help, he heard. You know, when Jesus cried to help from God to hint us to this passage, and God did hear, and he did, he did, he did raise him. Uh, he let him die because he needed to die to pay the penalty for our sin. But then he God heard his prayers, and, and God did raise him from the dead. Hallelujah. For from you comes praise in the great assembly. I shall pay my vows before those who fear him. One of the greatest principles in all the Bible is to fear the Lord, to have an awe, respect, a fear, a genuine reverence for God. It's one of the greatest qualities of a Christian today is one who has reverence and awe and even fear of the Lord and wants to obey his commands. It's a great thing to have. Oh God, hallelujah, may we fear you rightly. The afflicted will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let your heart live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will worship before you. Oh, may that be true. More and more people before the coming of Christ, may we may we give the honor and praise that's due him. For the kingdom is the Lord's and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth will eat and worship. All who go down to the dust will bow before him. Listen, all, everyone's going to have to one day realize that Jesus is Lord, even he who cannot keep his soul alive. You know, it, it, there's some evidence in the Bible that even if you don't believe in Jesus, you're still going to have to take the bow before him, but unfortunately you're not going to make it to heaven. You need to trust in him while you still have chance today in this life. Posterity will serve him. The future will serve him. The future people is what that means will serve him. It will be told of the Lord to the coming generation. Oh, may we continue to tell of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. They will come and will declare his righteousness to people who will be born that he has performed it, that he has gone to that cross and risen from the dead. And and not only that, you know, marvel at what we're seeing today. We're seeing the one who can count all his bones. We're seeing the one whose hands and feet were pierced. We're seeing the one who was who thirsted on the cross. We're seeing uh, the one who said, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" We're seeing the one who their clothes were his clothes were uh, casted. They casted lots for his clothing. We're seeing the people that insulted him around him, that circled around him, a band of evil doers around him. How can someone get all this right? How can someone predict so many years ahead of time and yet have all of this come true? Only God can do that. There's evidence to believe and oh, that the world would just know this is just one chapter and yet so much power-packed evidence revealing that you can trust God and that his Old Testament knew what was going to happen to Jesus in the new. And the more you learn, the easier it is to believe. The more knowledge you gain, the easier it is to believe. Hallelujah. You can believe that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. God bless you all.